You're listening to the Bass Lessons Melbourne podcast, episode 17, Tamur Fell. Craig here from uh, Bass Lessons Melbourne, and today I'm joined by none other than Timur Fell. Timur Fell. Timur. That's right. I knew I, knew I was going to get because those one. guys they they messed it up on the. Oh yeah. yeah. On the thing. Yeah. Timur. Whatever. I don't care. Nice to see you, man. Yeah, you too, man. Pleasure Thanks to be here. Thank taking you. Taking the time out. It's of great course. to have you around. Um, and obviously you're in Melbourne for the the Mike Stern gig. Is yeah, we're playing a whole week, uh, six nights at uh, Bird's Basement. Cool. How's that going? Great. Great. Really fun. I mean, yeah. it's always fun to play. Yeah. So Even it's six nights in a row. That's great. Yeah. Two shows a night? We're playing two shows a night, yeah. How, how, does, how are you with that, like stamina-wise? Not an issue? Um, that's the gig, you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Be three sets a night? We do three sets. Yeah. Whatever you gotta do. No, we love playing. So yeah, of course you jet lag and everything, but mm. you get used to that. So yeah. I mean, you can be tired, but as soon as you get up there, you start playing. It's fine. Yeah. 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 And how how long have you been playing with Mike for? Well, I've known Mike for I think six years now, and I've been playing with him on and off for five years, and then a lot kind of in the past couple of years. Yeah. 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 Cool. And was, and so that's pretty much from when you moved to New York. That's when you met. Yeah, him. pretty much. Yeah, I met him. You know, at the fifty-five bar. 55 he's bar. been playing there for one hundred and twenty years already. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So was yeah. your first gig with him at fifty-five bar? Yeah, that's what usually happens. Yeah. Is, yeah first gig was fifty-five bar. Is that like the kind of training ground for? I guess you can say that. That's the. Yeah, that's the that's the training camp. Yeah, the fifty-five yeah. bar. You mean probably played there with him at least 250 times and with a bunch of other bands as well my band mm. yeah 55 bar is a, it's a it's really cool spot yeah in the city yeah yeah cool um and obviously you're here playing electric but i gather that you you do play upright as well yeah definitely i uh i well i studied classical upright mm. in college you know the bow i play in the orchestra Played all the classical pieces, you know, Botticini, yeah. Dragonetti, all that stuff. Um, so that was no kind of jazz schooling at that time? I started with electric bass. Started My dad bass. turned me on to electric bass and I started playing that. And uh, But when I went to college, the classical thing was so much work. You kind of had to put the other stuff aside for a minute. Sure. Do that. And then I went back. But I had to, you know, if you really want... If you really want to know how to play upright, and especially be good at, you know, pitch, mm. um, sometimes when you play with your fingers or pizzicato, um, it can fly, you know, and it'll be all right. But then if you you're in the same spot and then you pick up the bow, you could be, oh no, I'm sure, not hold, really holding clean. holding yeah. that note. So yeah, the bow playing with the bow really keeps you uh, 
Honest. teaches you how yeah. to be exactly honest. Yeah, it's a lot of work. I mean, if you yeah. want to be a great classical, classical guy, you really kind of have to just do that. You know, a couple hours a day of scales and then pieces and oh. orchestra stuff. It's yeah. a lot of work. So I kind of had to choose at the end of the day what I wanted to do. Yeah. And just the freedom of, you know, improvising and blowing over tunes is always... I yeah. love classical music, but yeah. at the end of the day, it's always playing something that somebody has written out yeah. and you have to follow it exactly. Yeah, you got your interpretation sure. and stuff, but it's not like this, you know. No, true. You get to be more free and we love that. Yeah. So so how, how did you how did you build your whole, you know, jazz, jazz side of your playing? Um, did you have teachers back <clears throat> in Israel or Azerbaijan? Yeah, yeah. I'm, I grew up in Israel, right. so... Not really had too many teachers, or you know, I, I never really had electric bass lessons with anybody. Mm. But um, my dad got me some of those old, you know, VCR tapes. You know, the Jaco Pastorius one, you know, and yeah. I had the, uh, the John Petitucci. Yeah. It, it was two volumes, right? It yeah. was the, the more. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it was volume one and then volume two. Yeah. So the six string and solo and that stuff. And then a lot of. Transcribing. Yeah, really? And I had like Ron Carter bass lines and Ray Brown bass lines, you know, as far as learning how to, you know, play so a tune. So walking? Like walking and halftime feel and all that stuff. And then just transcribing, like anything that I heard that sounded great, mm. I just kept listening to it till I kind of had it, yeah. you know, and then you move on to something else. Yeah, I remember Jacko talking about that in that that video, Modern Electric Bass, you know, yeah. just play everything. Oh, I think it's when he's talking about reading. He's like, yeah, I know, read. Yeah, you know, read melodies, read read everything you can. Yeah, well, when I was a kid, my dad always kind of made me read, so yeah. I had it. It wasn't great, but I could read. But then when I went to college and I had to play in an orchestra, yeah, that's when I really practiced my reading. And yeah, sure. Got it together. Yeah. And were you straight on the six string bass or starting off with the four string? No, I started with the four. Yeah. And then, you know, like when I was, it, it all comes down to what CDs or records were at your house. So Patitucci. So I had Patitucci, and my dad also had this. Uh, Alain Caron record Le Band yeah and I just remember being a kid and you know, I, I, I saw the cover and I saw <laughs> it was more than four strings and I just thought it was cool so I always it's wanted it's not but yeah. it looked cool <laughs> yeah so <laughs> it's not yeah this is cheesy as fuck man. no <laughs> so yeah and then when I, was, when I was 18, 19 I got my first six string because that's what I was listening to sure. so I kind of always wanted to do that and you know talking about six string is a lot of times um, you know, people see you play six string and they'll immediately have that mm. vibe about you that, you know, if you're just playing probably just up there and you, you can't really play bass. And that's just not true. Yeah. Just don't be prejudiced to six string. I mean, do it's you, like, do you encounter that a lot in, <clears throat> in New York? I mean, not at this point, because at this point, honestly, I don't give a fuck yeah. what anyone says, right? Yeah. But um, one guy once told me, he's a famous guitar player from New York, I'm not going to mention his name. And then a couple of years ago, you said, call me on a gig, but you said, you got to play four string because that's what I like. And I said, I love you, man, but I can't, I'm not going to do that. That's my instrument. And wow, it's a package deal. So yeah. I'm not going to be comfortable. I mean, if you just want me to comp and kind of, you know, if it's your record date or something, I'll do it. But if I kind of have to play my shit, yeah. I need you to have, have to my express, bass. Yeah, so, I, so I was like, no, thank you. Call somebody else. Yeah. You know? I guess it's in a way, it's kind of like the whole slap bass thing where 
you know, bad or, you know, guys who just thunder thumbs, they give slap a bad name, but it's not inherently a, a bad thing in the exactly. same way that, you know, th there's probably some six string guys who have just played yeah. up here all night and they've sure. given six string a bad name and it kind of spoils it for everyone else. Yeah, you know, don't, I try to never really judge anyone before I've, and even after, but before, definitely before I, we, I've played with them. Okay. Or then, you know, at least give a guy a chance, you know, hear him play, you have a drummer, guitar player, whatever. Yeah. yeah. You yeah. gotta first hear the guy or the girl, yeah. then Cause, cause make we all, up your we've mind. we've all come yeah. from, you know, different paths and arrived at whatever it is that we do in, in completely different ways. Yeah, I think a lot of it comes down to a lot of guys, um, you know, that play with the smaller spacing. Like, this is 19, like, jazz yeah. bass standards. Yeah, that's pretty big. And Yeah, and a lot of guys play with, you know, 17 and even smaller than that yeah and they play with low actions and i feel like you what you lose doing that is dynamics okay because you know the strings on the bass are pretty thick especially these yeah. low ones you know they're really thick and they need space to rattle they need space to move if they're down here your dynamic is limited like you either got this if you go a little stronger you buzz sure and i can go like with the higher action i can go like Look how long before I buzz. Yeah, so right? It's clean and you got fat. Four, five, six different dynamics. And even even when it's buzzing, the notes not choking. There's still there's still a little bit more there. Exactly. And you can have and the and buzz. If you want like really nice part of the sound. Yeah, if you want really nice sustain, you know. Like. Because there's room for the string to move. So yeah. see, it's moving here. There's room for it to go like that. Yeah. If it's all the way down here. I think I'm right in saying that the string doesn't vibrate like that. It vib it oscillates, right? It goes in a circle. Maybe. <laughs> I, I think I, I think I, may, I might be wrong. But I think it might go in a, in a bit of a circle. So you need you need that space between the fingerboard and the string for it to do that instead of just that. Yeah, I guess you're right. And and uh, but again, there's exceptions to this too. There's some guys who have lower actions that sound great. Mm. You know. But um, my mate so. um. Pat Farrell, a bass player from, from Australia. Yeah. He was in New York for a bit and, and he had a lesson with Matt Garrison. And he said he was surprised at how high Matt's action was on his bass. But then when you when you hear him play, he's got that dynamic range and, and stuff exactly. like that. Exactly, so yeah, and a lot of times dynamic dynamics will would help you, if you're playing jazz on electric bass um, and you wanna get gigs playing jazz on electric bass, I talked about, I did this clinic, my music masterclass thing, uh, mm. video, and I talked about this. If you want to get gigs playing jazz on electric bass, you kind of have to shoot for, you know, like a fatter. You want to have that, yeah. that upright vibe. Like a, you know, a, sure. a more kind of rounded sound. Yeah. Yeah. And how did you find it kind of getting involved in the scene in New York when you first got there? I mean, we were talking in the car on the way over. Yeah, it's yeah, just, yeah. It's, it's a jungle um, out there. <laughs> yeah, it's a jungle, but it's really, you know, just being out there, meeting people. And, you know, I always take people who ask me, students or whoever wants to come to New York, and they ask me, should I do it? And I say, first of all, yeah, why not? You can try. But um, New York is really about, you really have to be, I don't say the best, because nobody's really the best, but you really have to be good. And then once you're really good, that's 
step number one. Yeah, that's that's the given. Then exactly, that's the given, and then you gotta wait and and network and hang out. Network and, and be hang a nice out guy. And and yeah, I mean it's a lot. There's no there's no like recipe. Everybody's different, and everybody's yeah, you know, personality is different. Like you gotta go to jam sessions and stuff, but sometimes. You know, when I came, when I came there, I went to a bunch of jam sessions. It didn't really get me a lot of stuff. No. It's more of you know, it's like a, maybe see everybody we... just shows up to these things to kind of show up. Yeah. And show what they got, and it's a very like, you know, kind of hoping whatever Roy Hargrove's gonna come in and hear me play and get a gig, and it's it's not always like that, but it's a bunch of different clicks and a bunch of different scenes, and you just gotta kind of find your thing mm. and find the people you like playing with. Yeah. You know. Thinking a little bit about the the gig you're doing just now with Mike, um, yeah. like in terms of repertoire, is there is it does it kind of like does he go learn my discography or is these are the pool of tunes we're going to be using? Like, how did you go about learning what you're going to learn from the gig? Um, well, you know, Mike would never really. He's not one of those guys that say we're going to do. And nothing is really a hundred percent clear. <laughs> you know, you kind of have to just do it like. I remember before the first gig I've played with him, and I asked him, because when we used to practice a lot together at his house yep. and jam for hours, um, when he was in town, it would be every day, cool for hours. So, but we never really played his tunes. You know, I right. kind of always wanted to play it, but he never yeah. wanted to do it because he's you know tired of playing that sure. shit. So he always just wanted to play standards and you know Coltrane, okay, stuff like that. So we never really played his tunes at all. And then yeah. when I asked him before the first gig, what tunes should I know? He just said, ah, you got it. <laughs> I, you know, I didn't know what that meant. I was just like, all right, I better go over as much as as much as you can. I can and like, you know, guess what he's going to want to play. Or, I mean, like if, fine. He, if he calls like something like Chromosome, you kind of got to know that. Yeah. Well, you know, if you're if you're playing with Mike, you, yeah. you better know Chromosome. Better know Chromosome. I guess. Yeah, that's one of yeah, the, that's what I'm saying. Is you know. like, yeah. So you just kind of went through and goes, what? Okay. Yeah, but Are I you, never had really, I never got charts or anything. Charts or anything like that, yeah. I kind of just transcribe it and. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. <laughs> Thank mm -hmm. you. 
a bit. So what, I mean, what what else is, you know, what else are you doing when you're when you're not doing obviously the mics down? Is what's um, well anything, man. If it's paying, I'm playing. You know, <laughs> so but I, I I like to do. Uh, to produce, mm -hmm. I just recently produced a couple singers in New York. That was a lot of fun, um, and that's more like behind the piano kind of work. Mm -hmm. And again, I can't explain how important it is to play uh, piano. Okay. No matter what instrument you play. Yeah. Because the piano is gonna open up a whole different thing. Like if you wanna compose and um, you know write for a bigger band or even write just songs for a singer. Or just compose your own music, you know. It, it, you know, some stuff can come from like a groove, mm. and some tunes can come from a melody you got, and then. But a lot of the, the in between, a lot of the meat. How is, they how they fit together? Yeah, you really kind of if you play piano, that really helps, and yeah. Yeah, I was listening to an interview with Gary Willis, and and he was saying, normally the bass line is the last thing that he comes up with because that's the easiest. Mm -hmm. for him, the rest of it will be the, the harmony and the m melodic content and then the bass lines at, at the end. Yeah, whatever well, is so different. I mean, you can jam and come up with a cool bass line and say, yeah. that could be a, something, that could be a tune. Yeah. And then come up with the rest. Or you can play around the piano and come up with some cool harmony mm. and say, well, what would be a nice melody over that? Yeah. Or you can think of a melody first and like, okay, that's a nice, that's a nice melodic idea. Like, can I turn this into a tune? And then if you have a looper or something, you play it and then try to come up with a bass line sure. for it. But I feel that if you come up with a melody and a bass line, these are like, you know, the two edges. Yeah. Right? So, and then you can fill the stuff in between. What's the mayonnaise and the lettuce? Yeah, all that stuff. <laughs> um, so the, the My Music Masterclass thing. Yeah. Yours is the, is it what, like a walking, or is it a wide? There's two parts. One two part parts. is about, it's called swing and electric bass. Okay. Right, because it's uh, kind of what a lot of people know me for okay. doing, you know. Right. And the first part of it is uh, the walking bass part. Like, not so, not so much about choice of notes, more about the feel. And, you know, I talk about how mm -hmm. if you're playing like a jazz bass style instrument, how I like to go to the back pickup you know, like 70, 30. Okay. And with your right hand, play like in on the fretboard here. Because ah. my instinct would be to go to front pickup, but over the fingerboard. Exactly. They used to be my instinct too, but then I realized that that's a wrong instinct it's for clear, that stuff. Clear, it's yeah, because, see, it's a fat, like if you're here. Yeah. It's a certain, it's good when the band gets louder. Mm-hmm. Like if, you know, when the tune starts out and you're here, it's a fatter tone. And it's actually the back pickup. Yep. Yeah. And then as the tune progresses and gets a little louder and you got to cut through more, you kind of move back here. And, you know, it's a little punchier. Okay. Yeah. Yep. And then the second installment is... So go ahead and please uh, download... Check it out. Check it out on my music masterclass. It's really cheap. I think it's like twenty bucks or something for both. Yeah, right. And the second and the second video talks about uh, soloing again, not about choice of notes, but more about the feel. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And then you were telling me how you were working on your the next evolution of that. Oh yeah, and I'm also uh, writing this book 
with a friend of mine, a bass player from uh, New Jersey. His name is Jim Callback, James Callback. Um, uh, and the book is called Killer Walking Bass. So this is really the next level walking. Like once you've studied your, you know, once you've got, once you've got it down, you yeah. feel like you're really good at, you know, playing standards and playing tunes and walking through them in a nice supporting way. And you feel like for a while you've kind of been stuck in what you've been doing. That's how I felt. That's why I started writing those lines to kind of uh, expand okay. on a lot of ideas that I had, but just figure out more melodic and more compositional approach to walking bass. So I start writing over, over standards, you know, that, that most of you play jazz probably know, you know, stuff like Green Dolphin Street, uh, Giant Steps, uh, all the things you are. Um, so yeah, really a melodic approach to, to walking bass and a compositional approach. So in a way that when you just hear the bass walk through a tune, you can hear the harmony. You know how Bach bass lines of the left hand the piano mm -hmm. kind of weaves through the changes mm -hmm. and you can really hear the harmony just through the bass. So that's what I was kind of shooting for. Melodic and 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 uh melodic ideas and pattern uh, you know patterns that 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 make it feel like a composition okay and also the the main concept is most of the walking bass books if not all of them pretty much really focus on how to walk behind the melody of the tune all right like mm -hmm. you know stella by starlight they really take in mind the melody make sure that your bass line don't interfere with the melody like it's because it's a contrapoint to the melody right so but 90% of the time you're walking behind a solo mm. not behind the melody so I'm addressing more of that walking behind to really the soloist get yeah. into the... and a lot of times when you walk behind somebody it's also a reaction it's listen and react thing mm. so you can't really learn a bass line and then it, it's 100% gonna fit on the gig behind somebody because it might not because that might play a note and yeah, yeah. The, the, the line you know by heart <clears throat> it's not gonna work for that so this book is not really about learning these bass lines per se and memorizing them it's more about like getting the concept and then being able to kind of recreate uh, that concept while you play live mm. and it, it, it's you know I wrote these lines and I'm, I'm learning them myself now yeah yeah, yeah, there's like some stuff that's like, oh shit, I forgot I did that, and I'm trying to learn that. Do you find, um, do you do much teaching, or have you done much teaching, like private students or anything like that? Yeah, definitely. Yeah, do you find that you learn when you do that as well? Like what you were saying, you know, you write out these baselines and you're learning as well. Like when you have a student and you're teaching them something, you're actually going, oh yeah, or reminding yourself of... I mean, I'm, yeah, I'm not afraid to say this because, you know, I really try to get students that... Um, that really, you know, that are a little bit more advanced and are kind of into doing, you know, the stuff I'm trying to get into. So yep. I, I get really selfish in lessons and <laughs> I, I will just, sometimes I will try to teach the student the stuff I'm working on. Okay. So that I got, you know, if somebody comes over for two hours, I got an extra two hours to do it myself. <laughs> yeah, and sometimes, it, you know, if it's like a, something that's a little too complex and the guy doesn't get it. I'm like, oh, you can get it, you can get it, yeah. do it, do it. And then I'm like, I better get it too. <laughs> so I get to practice it 
and some guys get it and then yeah. it's great but you know not always if somebody you know obviously yeah, sure. if somebody is like more of a beginner or intermediate mm. level yeah i'll give them what they need what yeah. i feel they need what and what <clears throat> like nowadays for the for the modern bass player like what would you say are real core fundamentals that you got to have down if you want to be a working or you know just like a like a high standard well musician yeah baseball, yeah well uh, this is something we talked about before uh, a lot of people practice you know with soloing and and and, and blowing and, and all these lines which is great i do that all the time too obviously but you can't really put aside the actual bass playing part of it mm. like you really have to listen to your james jameson you got to listen to your ray brown you got to listen to you know um you know marcus miller you got you got to hear paul mccartney sure man and everything that's that that the bass is doing what it was supposed to do just play the bass mm -hmm. because nobody really will hire you to play solos too much like if you want to you know if you want to make some money and be a professional bass player it's all about making the artist you're playing with sound good mm. they don't really care how you solo i mean it's great if you come come out there and you know blow like crazy it's amazing it's good yeah. but you have to also be at least as good in in playing and supporting you know yeah. so you got to check out you know your your latin bass lines and afro-cuban stuff and really kind of learn the clave and if you're playing jazz definitely ron carter ray brown you know guys like that Paul Chambers and mm. basically just you know learn the different styles okay you gotta if somebody calls say can we play this in reggae vibe you you better know how to go you know get the tone because each style has like uh, not not just again choice of notes and, and vibe, yeah. but also the tone. Yeah, yeah. For so you sure. kind of have to know what you're doing here and in your amp. Yeah, absolutely. You, know, you just gotta make you gotta make the whole thing sound good. So my advice is don't in the beginning, don't get too caught up in you know, if you see you know some crazy bass solo on YouTube, trying to get that like mm. really focus on, mm. you know. Yeah. Learn your job first. And sure, then, yeah. I find that with. Um, you know, students they come in and they've been checking stuff out on YouTube and they go, hey, you know, I really think you should be learning the modes. And I'm like, okay, do you know your chord tones? Like, can you play me root third, fifth and seventh of mm -hmm. these four different chords? Yeah. And a lot of time that, that doesn't happen. So it's like, in terms of my experience as a bass player, it's more important to know your chords, fundamentals, than maybe your, the modes and stuff, in my experience. Yeah, it's all important, just you gotta make sure you know, I, I know I said I didn't have a bass teacher, but mm. I definitely had people in my life who set me in the right direction. You know, my dad is a piano player, and he used to kind of show me stuff all the time. Mm. And, you know, less, again, it was less technical stuff. It was more music. More music, yeah, yeah. So if you can get a great teacher who's, you know, who can show you um, obviously bass stuff, but also some stuff beyond, that'd be great. Mm. And... Look, if if you want to be a professional working musician, you you kind of have to do you got to do it all. You know, you got to practice your ear training. Yeah. You got to practice your reading. I mean, there's a lot of great guys who don't read at all. You know, I play mm -hmm. lately a lot with uh Dennis Chambers. Yeah. Incredible drummer. 
one of the greatest of all yeah. time. And he doesn't read it at all. And like he managed to do it without it because you know he's that good. But not everybody's like that. If you get a chance to learn how to read, you should do that. Yeah. You know? Yeah, yeah for sure. Because hey, we're not all Dennis Chambers. So. Exactly. So so reading and then again a little bit of piano. You don't have to be, you know, Liberace, but yeah. you just learn a little bit piano, a little bit harmony, ear mm. training. Solfeggio, all that stuff really helps. And yeah, I went yeah. to this um, in Haifa in Israel, the town town I'm from, this uh, musical high school called Rizzo. And they had really, really good professors there that taught, you know, that focus on dictation and, and, and singing and uh, solfeggio and that stuff. And that really helps. Just music. Really, really, just music. It really helps. Mm. Because you learn how to, how to, how to practice music without your instrument. Mm. You can just be outside and if this is going, then you come home and you got you have it because you already figured it out. Sure. This is the hard part. Yeah. This is the easy part. Yeah. 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 Um how did you how did you kind of go around really refining your your technique for for, for blowing on the instrument? Did that come from uh just learning solos or you know was it you practice in technique and then you apply it to, to the music. Well, something I did a lot besides transcribing, which is obviously you got to do yeah. if you want to play this music. Um, and yeah, of course, not only bass players, I, you know, um, I used to transcribe still, you know, Michael Brecker or uh, Bob Berg. Yeah. Or, you know, even early on before I knew Mike, I transcribed some of his stuff. And, you know, Pat Metheny or... Uh, Stanley Tarantino or, you know, mm -hmm. Joe Henderson, and, and, and anything that just sounds great, you can do it on bass. And I also used to write a lot of solos when I was younger. I was just compose solos. Right, okay. I would like say, okay, I'm, pra you know, from, I was like 16, 17 years old, like I'm practicing Donna Lee, now let me write down mm. a couple choruses of solo that, that is well composed. And you kind of teach yourself to to know how to grow in a solo when you're playing live. Okay. Obviously, we're not composing solos anymore. We're just, but you, you, if you do it, it's it's really nice. But as a as a practice. As, as a, a practice to compose something that is well-rounded, from beginning to mm. end, it sounds great. Then learning it, and then you can forget it. Then you move to the next two and mm. you do it again. So I think I probably wrote like 20 or 30 solos over a bunch of different songs. And through to that, your, that helped develop your technique. Yeah, and then later on, if, if, if there's something you want to play and you can't, because, you know, they say, right, that the technique serves the music, not the other way around, yep. right? So if you try to play something, you say, shit, I can't, I can't do that. Mm. And you come up with an exercise to fix that, and you move on, you know? Yeah, okay. It, 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 a lot of just, it's, it's not, it's really not rocket science. Yeah. No, it's really about just sitting there and just doing it. Just putting in the time. Yeah. Like a lot of people talk to me about talent and they say, oh, you know, you're talented. And I say, talent is that magic 1%. Mm. You got to have it. Otherwise, it's never going to be the 100%. But 99% is the practice. Yeah, it's the time. Yeah. It's the yeah. time you spend doing it like anything else. You know, they say you need 10,000 hours yeah. to reach like a certain level. I think I heard John Schofield say that. And, yeah. uh, it's really about just the work. And so what are you working on nowadays then? Um, well, right now I'm working a lot on um, writing my album, first of all. Oh. Yeah, and I'm kind of, I'm going to start recording this summer a little bit. Yeah. 
Is and this first first album? Yeah, it's gonna be the debut. And uh, yeah, I waited a while. You know, I'm 29 now, so it's due. Yeah. But, but you know, I'm kind of happy I waited with it because mm. I really know kind of what I want to do with it now. And you know, still working on everything, working on bass lines, working on soloing, um, less transcribing, more you know, coming up with you know concepts from. From, sure. from me you know just practicing being creative exactly practicing being creative and uh to see what happens you know mm. i never know <laughs> yeah. yeah and has there been a couple of um players or guys that you've encountered who have been a bit of a catalyst and really you know i mean talking well, about jamming with mike stern every day that must have been a bit of a bit of a schooling or? yeah that was like a that was like a free master class yeah. it was like a free you know college class yeah that went on for a couple of years. It was, it was amazing. If you had, yeah. yeah, if I had like any question, I could ask him. It really helped me out. And as well, you know, composition-wise and and just concept-wise, you know, I got a lot from him. Definitely. Yeah. Definitely. And you also played with Oznoy. Yeah, I played a little bit with Oznoy. Oznoy, yeah. Yeah, he's a motherfucker. You were showing me that that lick earlier on. Yeah, well, he he does this. Uh, he's quite an, an, angular player with that. Beat. Yeah, you know, yeah. like uh, I was just playing. I was just playing like a, even if this is an F sharp 13 course, I was just going and moving down in uh, thirds, right? Minor thirds, major thirds. So I was just go, and then you kind of break it up, and I just went. You know, <laughs> something like that. Yeah, yeah it's cool. A little little nuggets. Yeah, so little ideas like that that you can. You know, you practice a lot of stuff and then you hope that on the gig some of it is going to come out. And also it comes out in your way. Like you're probably not going to play it the same way that I always play yeah, it. Yeah, you, you, like you, you hear a concept that's cool and you kind of make it your own. Yeah. You know, you never want to sound like somebody else. Sure. But you definitely want to learn from everybody else. And I think sometimes know? that's the the core behind transcription that's lost a lot of time with people is it's not, you're not learning it to play exactly like that. You're learning yeah. it to learn how to do your own version of it. Absolutely. Yeah. Totally. Yeah, man. Yeah. Um, F bass is your instrument of choice? F bass is my instrument of choice. Yeah, I, I used to play something else before. <laughs> <laughs> and um, I, uh, a friend of mine, great bass player from New York also, Edmund Gilmore, he, he's been playing oh, yeah. bass for, for a while. And uh, he constantly used to tell me about them all the time. And then. Uh, you know, and also I, I've always heard Alain Caron play these basses. Mm. So I was looking for a six string that would kind of fit what I want. Uh, and I went over there. I yeah. told him, I told him, I told George what I like about my old bass and what I don't like about it. And then I told him what I like about his bass and what I would like to change in his bass. We kind of came up with this, which is uh, it's more of a B, it's more of a B and F shaped body with uh, it's kind of the, the B and F with fretted neck. Okay. And it's 26 frets. I didn't need 28. But I liked, yeah. Are you sure? Yeah, but yeah, I barely get up there. But um, so is the BNF 26? No, it's it's 28. Really? Yeah. So I just wanted 26. I didn't want 28. That's huge. And it's slightly slightly bigger nut. Wow. And um, yeah, we just changed the radius of the neck of the fingerboard a little yeah. bit. Yeah. Flatter or. A little more flat, yeah. Yeah. Touch more flat. Is it and still still compound? It's still. No, it's still. You can see it's yeah, it's still rounded. Yeah. 
and exposed pickups which i like because i think it has like a bite ear see what i mean it has like yeah did you did you compare it with the covered ones or just yeah i heard the covers and i said i think this is gonna sound better and it did so now now we're doing uh mm, it's beautiful now i'm getting another one which is uh will be kind of similar it's gonna be 24 frets though and we're gonna move the the treble horn a little up so it'll be a little more comfortable sitting down Yeah, yeah, they're great though. I love. It. I think yeah. out of everybody out there, F bass for me for 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 the way I play is ideal. Yeah, yeah. What, I, like, I really recommend. What um, what is it that you that you feel like is your home in terms of tone? Like if you pick up a bass or whatever, you know, you picked up. Well, I've always just like, wanted. I always wanted a, a single called jazz bass version of a six string bass. Right. Yeah, because yeah, so often the six strings are humbuckers, right? Or yeah, I don't really like humbuckers and, yeah. and you know, and uh, so bars. But you didn't, you didn't go the um, the typical New York route of, of Federa, which seems to be the case over there. Um, no, I didn't. For reasons, just for just you know various. Yeah. They, they they do sound different, like you know, very uh, rets. Yeah, they're me, great the bases. They're great bases. A lot of people play them, but. For me personally, the F bass is is the is the right choice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Cool. And if people want to check out what you're doing, you know, get in touch with you, check out your lessons website. Like, where's... yeah, they can go to my website. It's tamerfell at yeah. gmail dot. No, that's my email. Sorry, don't email me. <laughs> it's uh, tamerfell dot com. Um, yeah, but your email address is on there anyway. So. Yeah, exactly. There's a different email up there, and you can email me about. Um, well, lessons and booking, yeah, not yeah. not like uh, recipes, just recipes and, and, and questions <laughs> what strings about. Should I use? Yeah, none of that stuff. <laughs> I use DR strings, by the way, and DR strings have been uh, the first guys to endorse me um, early on. Really supported me, and still, I just got a package of new strings, uh, yeah. a couple boxes. And, Sounds uh, great. Yeah, I I mean I change them every like I'd say two three weeks if you, i'm if i'm on the road then every like 10 days are you just the same set for this whole run then or maybe change no it's the same set for the, set. i, I actually yeah. like them i use the high beams I, I really like them three days in yeah when when they're like they're greasy enough already yeah and not as you know not fresh zingy zingy exactly three four days in it's perfect and yeah, then yeah. yeah like now this has been like 10 11 days I, I, it still sounds great yeah, I like that bitey sound of the back. Mm. It's like a jazz bass, you know what I mean? Like yeah. That. And you were saying this is um, 60s position? Yeah, 60s position. Yeah. Definitely. I think that helps for the, the warmth. Yeah, yeah, I like the 60s position. Yeah, cool. Awesome, man. That's been Thank you, sir. Fascinating, man. Very much. Yeah, I appreciate you taking the time. Absolutely, my um, pleasure. Tamerfell.com. Tamerfell.com and... and there's a link there that says on sale and you can that will take you to my music masterclass. Yeah, the my music masterclass stuff is awesome. And it's really, I mean, <clears throat> I kind of wanted to do this course up there of something that I wish I had mm. coming up. I wish somebody would have talked about swinging electric bass. Sure. Cuz that that's what I was figuring out, you know. Yeah. Anthony Jackson and Marcus Miller and uh just I love the way that they approach walking electric bass. Oh, yeah. Oh. 
that's interesting like, that you yeah. speak of Marcus in terms of swinging. Oh, man, I mean, most people know Marcus Miller from, you know, mm. obviously the yeah. slap stuff and everything else. But, you know, when you hear him play, there's this record, uh, Michelle Petrucciani. I, I'm not sure if it's a Michelle Petrucciani record or it, the, all of them did it together. It's called uh, Dreyfus Night in Paris. Yep. With Marcus Miller, Borelli the Grand, and uh, I think it's Lenny White. Right. I'm not sure. I can't remember. I, I haven't listened to it in a long time. But this is when I first heard uh, Marcus walk with a muted thumb. And, you, you know, it was just like he had that fat. Mm. The attack and the decay. Really fat. So satisfying. And then Anthony Jackson mm. used to do the same stuff. Yeah. I used to listen to him a lot with the Michelle Camilo trio. Yeah. And, um, yeah, that's epic. Yeah, so that was definitely an influence. So, yeah, that video on my music masterclass yeah. definitely talks about how to get how to get that shit together, you know? Yeah, and, and so And it's album. cheap as hell. I think it's for both courses, like $19 or something. Yeah. I mean... And when, when do you think your solo album will be out? Um, hopefully... You know, I'm I'm gonna do a couple bands, couple different lineups. people on lineups. Yeah, there's gonna be some stuff with Mike and uh, uh, Dennis Chambers on drums. Cool. Yeah, a couple tunes like that, and then some other stuff. And I really don't know. I I I'm not rushing it, but hopefully, you know, a year. Yeah. A year and a half, maybe. Cool. We'll, we'll yeah. check in again then and see what's happening. Absolutely. Cool, guys. Well. All right. Thank you. That'll wrap it up. Um, thanks for watching. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next time. <laughs> Thank mm-hmm. you.